hello, hello, everybody. This is Monique, your favorite host of Soapbox Shenanigans, and I am here today with one of our sister friends named Aaliyah. She has um, come to me from Instagram, which, yay, I'm so happy. Soapbox Shenanigans on Instagram, which you all should already know about. If you don't, it's there. The website launched, soapboxshenanigans.com. And Aaliyah has House of A Financial, which you'll find her on Instagram on of in House of A Financial and the same for her website, houseofafinancial.com. Aaliyah is one of these people who just makes my heart sing because she talks about my passion, which is personal finance. And not just personal finance, but learning how to be a Black woman in this society and make good financial decisions, not only for your person, but your family and your whole community and guiding us in a way that is helpful and wealth building, right? Um, so I'm just really, really, really excited that she's here. So I'm going to give her space to talk and to kiki and laugh with y'all and introduce herself. So Aaliyah, welcome. Thanks, Monique. I'm super excited to be here. That welcome was so warm and heartfelt, and I really appreciate it. But hey, everybody, my name is Aaliyah, and I am the founder and trusted money coach of House of A Financial. And we're really just a company that's trying to empower the personal finance journey of Black women. You know, oftentimes, money is seen as a taboo topic. We don't really talk about it a lot at the dinner table. So I'm really just hoping to close that financial knowledge gap and give Black women a space to ask their questions without judgment, to build their tools and resources in um, an encouraging environment. And we do all of that through our Instagram, like Monique shared, it's at House of A Financial, where we're sharing free resources on a daily basis about budgeting, building your credit, paying off debt, investing. Um, But we also take that a step further through one-on-one coaching sessions where we are getting personal with your journey, right? It's it's easy to get general information, but sometimes you just got to personalize it. So we do that through one-on-one coaching sessions. So I'm super excited to be here with you and talk and see where this conversation takes us because I know it's going to be a good kiki. It's going to be a good kiki. And before we get to the kiki, although this probably is a good kiki, though, is to talk about our family advice. I know on your website, you talk about family lessons and we even talked about it before I'd even seen your website. So we were already on the same page uh, about the things that we were taught and how to manage our money or at least how to save our money. Uh, So what were some of the things that your parents taught you before you kind of got into, because you're younger, you're on the younger side. So I just very much love that you are about this cash um but also you know you you got a you got a bachelor's degree you got a master's degree girlfriend has the letters behind her name to uh lend to her advice so just so you know friends she's not just out here like me giving advice without the letters although i do have an mba just not in finance uh so let's talk about it what did they learn what did they teach you yeah, so, and speaking of my age, I'm 24, so I'm definitely, I'm definitely jumped on this bandwagon a lot and sooner quiet. than a lot of people, um, but for me, taking it back to my childhood, I feel like I got a few different lessons mm-hmm. from my mom versus, like, my dad, right? Yep. So I feel like for my mom, my mom was really big on saving, right? Mm-hmm. Keeping 
some of your money and not just spending it all. And she always told me to be very mindful of understanding like what is a need versus what is a want, right? My mom was not the type of person who was going to ball out on crazy stuff. Like if she did not deem it necessary, we did not have it, right? And like (laughs) for, for our house, we did not have cable. We did not have internet. Like she was like, we don't need these things. Uh-huh. And I know that's a crazy thing to say <laughs> in today's society, like, today's like world. Right. But like for her, it wasn't important. And I feel like it taught me such valuable and foundational lessons about money that uh-huh. now that I'm an adult, I'm not bawling out. I enjoy my life thoroughly, right? Thoroughly. But I am very mindful about how I spend my money. And I feel like it's because how I saw my mom move when I was younger, where she was like, I'm only prioritizing what I want to ensure our family unit is good and I'm saving my money. And that's what she always pushed my sister and I to do. So we are very resourceful about finding things. Like if there's a free version, we'll go for that. Or you know, like sometimes- if it's right, free, it, it, it's it really me. is for me. <laughs> it's for me, and like that, you it just allows you to be a little bit more creative. And I think that's what I learned from my mom. Um, for my dad, my dad was an entrepreneur, right? Mm-hmm. He was like, I do not want to work, I want to figure out how to build my own business. Yep. So I feel like for me, especially as a new entrepreneur, I'm seeing a lot of myself in his actions that I observed when I was a child. Um, for example, I remember growing up, like he would take uh, my siblings and I to work with him. Like he had a janitorial business, like a cleaning business. And we were scrubbing toilets. We were taking out the trash of these places. We were cleaning windows Mm -hmm. and it taught me work ethic. Right. And I think work ethic is important when you think about money, right? Like, are you going to get, how are you getting these multiple streams of income? You can absolutely work a nine to five. I'm doing that. It's nothing wrong with that, but you can also build your own business. And I saw that hustle and that grind. Mm -hmm. And I also was helping him like build invoices when I was a child and print those things out. So I had some type of understanding of what that looked like. So for my dad, I really definitely learned like an entrepreneur, a side hustle mentality. But yeah. don't let don't let you be fooled. The women in my family were side hustlers too, I mean, right? Dude, Everybody had that. There's always right. a black woman doing something, side hustling, selling some, selling a plate, selling some cake, selling some. I'm trying chocolate, to tell you. I'm trying something. to tell you. It's never. It's never. I would say in a black family, there's never just one job that a parent has. There's Absolutely. always multiple jobs, multiple streams, even if it's not necessarily for like, cause they need it. There's that, that idea in our family history that you just have to be working. You have to be mm-hmm. hustling. You have th- that grind culture, which in my age, you know, I'm, I'm good. I'm a 14 years older than you are at, at my age. Now I don't want to be booked and busy. Mm-hmm. I want to be responsibly scheduled. <laughs> <laughs> and relaxing like that was yes in my 20s that's kind of where I wanted to be I I I don't want to do that no more but my my mom was much like yours much like your um dad and she was working you know two jobs uh she was in school had a 4.0 you know yes uh, mama yeah she was getting her bachelor's degree she was a school nurse and a private duty nurse 
Um, and much like your mom, my mom taught me savings, but she also taught me to always have my own account. No mm. matter with, whether you're married or not, whether you're in a relationship or not, whether you have joint accounts or not, she calls it the rainy day fund. Yes. And there is a multiplicity of places your your rainy day fund could be. It could be you could have a rainy day fund in your in your drawer, which is like your little mad money. And yeah. you're just like, you know, I really want to go out, take myself to the movies, take myself on a me date. And so you got your cash rainy day fund that's in your drawer somewhere. Then you have your account rainy day fund. And that's okay. your personal account that you're not sharing with anybody else. That's your money that is not going to shared bills. Mm -hmm. And that's where you, you know, you pay for whatever you want. You want your little, you know, your delivery service or you want your little um, box. What do they call I don't want the birch box because I don't think they got anything for me. But like them them (laughs) boxes that you got in the mail. I'm trying to think of the black women ones, but I can't. Uh, A black travel box. I think a friend of mine, she, um, she has she started that company um at her years ago but like if you got a black travel box that's what you that's what you spending that money on just for you and your yeah. own personhood and it's important to have your own things for yourself now do you feel like your mom told you that because you were a woman yes. like i feel like that's a very important <laughs> yes. that was a very when yes. i heard that i said mm, that was mama to daughter yes. That, that is that is yeah. a mother to daughter conversation and don't get it twisted my mama had that conversation with both of her uh daughters-in-laws too mm-hmm. and she has boys but she said the same thing to her daughter-in-laws and here here's one that my mom told me and my sister she said when you move in with a man right mm-hmm. y'all are living together make sure that you can afford the rent on your own Ooh. And That's that right. seems like such a, like, it seems like it can go over your head. Mm-hmm. But the lesson in that is you don't know what may happen in that relationship. And she's not wishing any bad, no. bad feelings. But she said, I want you to make sure you are good on your own. Absolutely. Like your mom was saying, and can cover that rent if things hit the fan. Let's say he move okay. out and you, you with this house, can you afford that? And I think that has shaped so much of my perspective yeah. as well, especially navigating this world as a black woman, sure. like making sure that I can handle this on my own, God forbid, right? Exactly. And that that's mama daughter talk, okay? That's, that's real talk with a black woman to when she realizes you're a black woman or she realizes that like I am raising someone who is going to navigate a society that is not necessarily for them, regardless mm-hmm. of who you're with, you need these tools in order to be able to manage yourself. And I, you know, as we get into like the world of mental health and the, the, the idea of the strong black woman, regardless of what side of the fence you kind of land on when it comes to whether you like the strong black woman stereotype or you don't, I mean, we are, we're strong and we have to be for ourselves and for our community, but we also need to be able to take care of ourselves from a very real mental, physical, and financial way. And a lot of times our financial struggles or our financial successes guide how we feel about all of those other things, personally Absolutely. and mentally. 
if you're not well with your finances, you most likely will not be well emotionally because you're working too many jobs or you are um, just stressed about paying that bill and that paycheck to paycheck life is not of God. It's not (laughs) of the Lord. It's not of the Lord. And we don't want that for anyone, let alone ourselves. We're not doing that. Um, My dad, but going back to after, you know, the mama thing, but my, my dad said two things. Number one, pay yourself first. So whenever you get your paycheck, you're not paying Amex, you're not paying AT&T, you're not paying anybody else but Monique Breon Jackson. And there's two ways that you do that. Number one, before you even get the paycheck pre-tax, you're taking out your 401k. Number two, you are paying money into your savings account. Those are two different things. One is liquid income and one is non-liquid income. Liquid income is what goes into your savings. So technically it's money that you can touch if you need to touch it. The mm-hmm. non-liquid income is your 401k. It is liquid when you turn 45 or 65, excuse me, yeah. but not right now. You can't touch that. However, mm-hmm. he did say to me, if you choose to buy a house, that is the only time prior to your retirement that you are able or you should touch your 401k. And he said, that's the only time because you have all this money, you can borrow against it. And that's the only time he feels that the penalty is worth it to touch it. Although you can borrow against it and pay it back, blah, 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 all that good stuff without having the big penalties. But um, that was th- those were the things that I learned. I have multiple accounts. One is my rainy day fund. One is my travel fund. And I pay myself first, my savings account is flush and my 401k looks good even though they keep on trying to tell me that i don't have enough (laughs) (laughs) like them stupid accounts just annoy me they have that little pie chart saying you're not saving enough well ma'am i also have to live so i don't know what you want me to do that's true and i think it's really important to decide what that looks like for you right what retirement looks like for you because some people want to retire before the age of 65 (laughs) the traditional age i want to retire today See, and for some people that that's what they want and they're make they are being a little bit more aggressive about how they save, how they invest to be able to reach that goal. But for some other people, maybe when they get to 65, they don't want to stop working and they decide they want to do a part time situation. Mm -hmm. So they have enough money to provide for them half of the time and then they're working for the other half. And I think that's fine. You just have to decide what it looks like for you. For me, I want to retire early. Yes. The people can't see right now, but you got this lovely background beach theme, palm trees. And that's what I want. Like when when I'm in my 40s, I would love to have the decision or more flexibility to like just be traveling, doing what I want, moving with leisure, right? Right. Because you were talking about like now you want to be like have scheduled responsibly. Right. Yeah. When I'm in that age group, I want to be scheduling responsibly. So right now I'm willing to grind right. a little bit more. My hustle is different Listen. because I want to ease into it, a, it. like some years from now. That's but it. you know, you know, speaking of like what we learned growing up, I didn't really hear a lot about 401ks when I was growing up or what retirement looked like, but I did get some foundational lessons that I didn't know would connect. And it actually came from a mentoring program that I was in. 
and it was like a college preparatory program. And they had this thing where we would have summer internships. Yeah. And they, they told us. Was it in No, it wasn't in road. So it was called Partnership for the Future. Nice. An amazing college preparatory program. I went to college for free because they were pushing me the right way. So shout out to them. But PFF, essentially, when we had summer internships, they said, I want you to put a certain amount of your money. You get to decide how much it is into the save your college, um, like 529 plan, right? Mm -hmm. And they said, we will match your money dollar for dollar up to a certain amount. Yes. And when they told me that, I was like, hmm, that makes sense. Like, I'm getting free. I forget how much their contribution was. So let's just say it was $2,000, right? Mm -hmm. If I say $2,000, they'll give me another $2,000. I'm like, that's $4,000. And I have that too much. Like, I didn't have that. Yes, I'm doing that. Like high school me, that made sense. I'm like in 10th grade and I'm like, okay, and we going to do this for three summers? Yeah. Huh. I like this. And the reason I say I didn't know what that meant, what they were grooming me for is literally the concept of a 401k because yeah. your 401k, your employer has the option to match up to a certain percentage. Yes. So once I got to working like my adult world, when I saw that same concept come up, I said, absolutely, absolutely. sign me up. That so, is, what is it, 5%? Okay, I'm going that 5%. Then I'm do my additional 5% for myself. Yeah. I'm doing it. Just, y'all, it. if we can tell you nothing else, let us reiterate. If there is a matching program, use the mat. Don't matter what they match. If you want to go to school and they match and they give you some money, take that money. They give you 5%, 6%, 10%, 1%. Don't matter what they give you, take the matching. It is double the money. Yes. And you know what? With me being 24 right now, I don't think I would be as further along in my financial knowledge if Mm -hmm. I didn't have those lessons that I got when I was younger. Like if my mentoring program they could have been telling us about 401ks, right? And that would have went over my head. But they just took the small concept, right? right? And exposed me to it. So when I got older, I was able to apply it. And I think that's what we need to be doing in the Black community, teaching small concepts at a very young age. So when we get older and we get exposed to the real thing that they're talking about, it clicks. It, it makes works. perfect sense. And I was really blessed to have all of those dynamics at a very early age. Absolutely. Speaking of concepts that I wish we would teach younger people about before they get to college, which I don't know necessarily how to make this into a concept to teach, but the idea of student loans, right? We don't understand student loans before mm-hmm. we go. They just sit you there. They make you sign all these papers. They tell you, oh, yeah, we're going to take $10,000 from student loans. And you're like, well, is this going to get me to school? Well, then fine. And then you just sign the papers. And you're not realizing you are bonding yourself yeah. to a loan that you have to pay back. And then... What ticks me off more than anything in this whole entire world is the fact that nobody explains the idea of these refunds. 
Mm. that is the thing on top of the fact that student loans are just a racket and hopefully the bubble will burst at some point and we'll be <laughs> not charging people a million dollars but the the idea of a refund ticks me off because when I was in college all of my friends were getting these refunds and I'm like why well, mm. ain't getting no refund they're out going out I'm sitting here budgeting my little life and they just living their best lives <laughs> with their, you know, refunds. And I didn't get it then. I didn't get it until I was in grad school because I had very small loans because, bless God, I had scholarships and all this other stuff. Hey. Praise him. Hey. Praise yes. Him. Praise, praise him. Praise him. Praise the ladies at my church and one specifically, Sonia, who helped me get them scholarships. Thank my daddy and my mommy for making sure that I'm, I filled out that paperwork. Your tribe. Your tribe. Your tribe. And kid you got all these people who want to help you you succeed so bless god for them so i didn't have a whole bunch and i didn't have this refund situation or i didn't really need to know about it but my friends were out there spending their refunds on whatever they could spend their refunds on i don't know if they realize that refund is money you gotta pay back later it's not Mm -hmm. free money that is a loan that they overestimated So now you have money back to you, but you can make the choice to send the money back. That part. That's what I did in grad school. I didn't know. I found out. I don't know who told me. It might have been my brother-in-law. Somebody told me, girl, you can send that money back. And if you send the money back, you're not getting charged no interest. And interest for a student loan compounds daily. You don't have that situation when you're in undergrad. Um, while you're in school, because it's, I forget what the name is of the loan, you'll know it. Subsidized. Uh, it's subsidized. If you have a subsidized loan, yeah. they don't charge you interest until you graduate. Exactly. When you have a non-subsidized loan, which is what happens when you get a master's degree now, as of 2011 yep. or 2010, some, some one of those years, they took all of the grad loans and they made them non-subsidized. So now your grad plus and all that extra stuff, you get, you accrue interest while you're in school. Yep. And so what, what happened when I was in school, I got a, um, a GA ship graduate assistantship and I took all the money that I had from there and I saved it and I paid off all of the interest that I had accrued during school mm-hmm. so that I could start fresh and just whatever, you know, interest I was accruing then. That's what I paid, but that was $8,000. I had to pay up just on interest, not on any of the principal. Yep. So what I, what I, you know, I don't know if you have a suggestion, which we probably should have talked about this before, but that's fine. <laughs> on, uh, like what in my head, what is a, what is a thing that we could teach younger people about this refund? Cause honestly, my thought is that ain't free money, friend. Don't spend it. Send it back. Okay. So there's definitely a lot of a lot to unpack in your statement. There's mm-hmm. so many great things. I think first and foremost, the thing that we need to be teaching people is what interest means. Like yeah. you're you can talk about loans and you can talk about the refunds, but if people don't understand the gravity of interest, mm-hmm. you're never gonna get it. Like it's that's just the truth, unfortunately. So For the people who are listening, interest is essentially a fee that you're paying Uh either daily, monthly, whatever the time period is Uh to borrow this money. 
it's the same on a loan, like a student loan, credit card, a house, like the, the interest rate may differ, but interest is interest, right? Mm -hmm. So if you are a borrower, you are paying to borrow that money, an additional fee. And this taking that a step further is if you wait to start paying that interest, it can grow crazy, right? It can get out of control. And like you said, you paid $8,000 just on interest alone while you were in school, the interest grew. Yes. So if you decide, hey, I'm not, you graduate, I'm not gonna pay my, start paying my loans until 10 years from now, your interest is gonna grow exponentially because with loans, your interest is growing on the interest. So yes. if I, my amount, I gained $100 in interest and it grew at 10%, well, that's an additional 10% that it's going to grow in interest the next month. Yeah. So you have to be very mindful of that. And I think what would be cool is for high school students specifically, mm -hmm. if we could start teaching those concepts um, where we got some mock scenarios or something yes, where yes. they have to pay an in interest, like right. for something, maybe like, I don't know if they still have these, but back in the day, they had like home ec classes, for right. example. They have where, a as a teacher. Okay, so you know, I had a home ec class and I was like, do like we were learning to cook, we were learning to sew, different things like that. It would be really cool if we had something like that for money where yeah. we're running different life scenarios. Mm -hmm. So if you decide I want to do something and you're borrowing money, well, now you got to go through the process of paying it back. Maybe it's fake money, right. maybe it's like, like you got to pay in services. Like you got to do something in that class. Like you got to do an assignment uh -huh. and that's interest. So you, you're getting like this feeling like, oh, I don't like interest. So you're right. kind of understanding the concept. Right. So I think that would be really cool as a concept to teach high school students before they go out into college. Mm -hmm. But once you're there, speaking about the refunds, right? I think it's important that we understand if we're on a loan versus a scholarship. So if you're on a scholarship and you're getting a refund, that's great. Like, because that money is all free. That's but you. if you're on a loan, like you said, Monique, that's accumulating interest and you have the option of giving it back, right? So, and in some cases, I absolutely recognize that everybody's not in the best financial situation. Yeah. So they need that money right now. Yeah. So what I would encourage people to do is just to have a plan of how you're going to pay off this stuff. For yeah. you, Monique, you decided while you were in school, you were paying the interest so you could start knocking down the principal once you graduated, right? And yeah. the principal is just the initial loan amount, you guys. But it's important to decide what your plan is. Are you going to be paying it off in two years, five years? What does that look like? Because now we can start talking about how much money you have to give um, these people. Right. <laughs> That's what Sally May. These people. <laughs> We see you. You can't you hide your little Navient. You're Sally May. We yep. know. I have nailed it. Because um, for grad school, I did take a loan as well. So I was accumulating interest while I was in school. But for me personally, I said to myself, I didn't pay anything while I was in school. But I said, you know what? I'm going to do this in two years. Mm -hmm. And I pulled up a calculator, a student loan calculator online. And I want to encourage you guys to do this as well. Pull it up. Type in how much you owe type in how soon you want to pay it off and it will tell you exactly how much money you would have to pay per month to yep. reach your time goal. And I extremely want to encourage you to do this because once you see your number, you yep. can decide 
if you need to adjust. Okay, maybe that number's too high. Okay, maybe I got to go to three years. Right. Okay, that's comfortable for me. I can handle this. I can manage this. Right. And I think if we just have to be smart about it because oftentimes they tell us, oh, just pay the minimum payment. But just paying the minimum payment means you're going to be paying the most amount of interest right. and paying more over time. So get a plan together. I know we said a lot here, but first, understand what interest means. Get a plan together for yourself. Am I going to start paying down the interest while I'm in school or I'm going to start paying it immediately when I get out of school, right? Mm -hmm. And decide on that interest calculator how much you can afford and how much time you want to commit to doing it. Yep. Some people can do two years. Some people can do five years. Everyone's financial plan is going to look a little different, but decide for yourself and commit to it. Amen. Don't Don't waver. Commit to this commit. decision because you don't want your whole life to go by and you're still paying this. And now what was a $10,000 loan is really you done paid $50,000 right. over the course of your life. That's crazy. And that's how we get caught up in this system, this game. And we don't want that for you. We don't want it for you. And the same lessons that Aaliyah has brought up apply to credit cards. People, exactly. be careful with your credit cards. Um, if you're going to get them when you are younger, um, First of all, if you're in college, do not let them sucker you into signing up for a credit card with that the part. tables at the student union giving away a plush part. a plushy like koozie for your cups or they don't care about you. They, they want don't. that money. They don't want that money and they know that you're not financially stable enough to not pay your 26.68% APR. <laughs> And it's always high, friend. And you're it's not always. It's always high. And that the, the same rules that she talked about understand interest rates. Interest rates for a credit card are monthly, right? So mm -hmm. whatever the bill is that's due, if you don't pay it, they are charging you that 26.68% on the amount that you owe. Yep. So the thing that I want before we go into budgeting, because we just went through no interest rates and no, you know, make a plan. The plan comes with budgeting and savings. So we're going to go right into that. But I'm going to finish this thought with know your closing date for your credit cards. Mm -hmm. Your closing date for your credit cards is one of the most important things to understand because on that date. So, for instance, one of my credit cards closing dates is the fifth of every month. So I know if I spent any money on April 5th, on April 4th, then I will owe that on the due date in May. Mm -hmm. But if I spend money on April 6th, that means that the money that I'll have to pay won't be until June because yeah. the closing date for that month is has lapsed so that means instead of having a month to pay it or a couple of weeks to pay it based on whenever your due date is i have two months to pay it yep and that's extremely important that that is we need to understand that um because like you said unfortunately these credit card companies prey on us when we're in college um like i remember when i was in high school i turned 18 and the flood of mail that yes. was coming in asking me to sign up for a credit card was ridiculous. Mm -hmm. Like, 
I had, every time I would go to the mailbox, I would essentially rip up the envelope because it was so much coming in and they're preying on you and hoping that you don't understand how credit works and credit cards. Like you said, Monique have the highest interest rates, like, and they're the easiest to get out of control. So what I want to also encourage you guys to do is understand what are the five factors that impact your credit score because they do have impact and there's a score and these things impact your overall quality of life. So the top two is just how much of your credit are you using of that limit? So if they give you a thousand dollars and you spent 300, that's 30%. Also just paying your bill on time, payment history is important. If you can master those two things, you're in a good position, but don't feel like you got to rush out to get a credit card because everybody else has a credit card and things like that. I waited until grad school. Yeah. Um, One, I was afraid of credit cards. Me too. I was terrified. I was terrified too. And it was partially because of my family history. So like I told you the good stuff that I learned about money, but credit was one of those things that people were like, Yo, credit is the root of all evil. Run away. Don't touch it. So that's why I was really ripping up those cards, those things in the mail. But I finally built my confidence once I got to grad school and I realized credit wasn't all that bad if I understood how to use it. So if I understood what the closing date was, if I understood the five factors that impacted your credit score, if I just knew how to pay my bill on time, you know, it gave me so much more encouragement. And I was like, okay. Now I can fast forward and I'm like, oh, okay. I had credit for three years and my score looking good. Okay. Uh, you know, it's got good 800 <laughs> score that you can be like, okay. I'm like, and that, but, but this is another conversation for another day. But it's like, you know, I don't work my whole life to ensure that my credit score is fantastic. Dating these dudes whose credit is bad. Mm. I'm like, I'm sorry. I'm not about to include, like, we're going to have to stay separate if we actually stay together because I can't, we, like, we can get married, but maybe we don't have to include, like, you know, we don't have to do that. We don't have to, like, mesh our finances finances because I ain't trying to bring my score down, friend. (laughs) I'm not about that life. And I mean, that's real talk. But as quiet as it's kept, like, people don't want to talk about that, but, like, you work really hard to protect your finances. And that's why you want to be in relationships with people who are have similar values as you. Like if someone is out here reckless with their money, not budgeting, spending all the money on crazy stuff, that's not going to work for y'all. And like finances, finances impact a lot of relationships. More than, more, more than a lot of things. Finance is one of the biggest things that will jack up a relationship. Yep. So it's important that you guys have similar values and don't be afraid to talk about that. Like, I know back in the day, like a few generations ago, like women weren't necessarily managing all the finances. It was like normal for the man to do all that. That But for women and Black women specifically, I want to encourage you to to take charge of that. And like, be confident in understanding how your money looks. And when you get in a relationship, if y'all decide to blend it together, how y'all's money looks together. And the personal money looks because you have your own yep. account. Yep. Be, be very accountable with that. And also don't just do it by yourself, but also include whoever your significant other is. Yes. Um. So y'all can feel like 
connected and everybody's together on one accord. Like, it's important, man. Y'all, we ain't done. We still got more coming to you. In part two, we talk about budgeting, the travel store cards, auto payment, and gross versus net income. Check us out. Stay tuned.